Welcome to the Raising Smart Kids podcast. I'm your host, Yang Pratt, and each week we'll explore ways in which the arts can help you raise a smarter kid. I'll be sharing ways the arts can propel your child's learning and interviewing top artists, educators, and entrepreneurs. These guests will share why the arts are so very important to your child, along with actionable ideas you can easily implement into your already busy schedule. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast here on iTunes and share us with a friend. For extra tips on raising smart kids, head on over to artsmartparenting.com and click on the live tab. So I like to um, like use the metaphor, like think of it as you're dating yourself. You're constantly mm-hmm. trying to get to know who you are. You're constantly trying to court yourself and like make sure they're taken care of. And then that's just something you want to do for yourself every day. And that's really what self-care is. And that's so true, too, because as soon as you said bubble baths and those sort of things, that's exactly what I have in my mind. And I think that's probably an old notion of what self-care is. So your mm-hmm. analogy about courting yourself and and really being able to meet this new person and really showing up as your best is such an interesting take on the word self-care. I love that. Mm-hmm. So if moms are new to self-care then, what is the first thing you would have them do to start on this journey? Because I know it's not a race, definitely a journey as we uncover right. layers of ourselves through the process. What's the first thing you would recommend? Um, the first thing I would recommend would be definitely making it a priority. So even if you are just starting off with bubble baths and stuff, like scheduling it so that it is a priority. It's something that's non-negotiable in your life. And then um, as you start making that more of a routine, then start connecting with yourself. So start finding out what your needs really are. Start being um, honest with yourself about what you're needing out of your daily life and uh, more routinely. So then that way you can develop a self-care routine around that. Okay. So I'm going to back up to the the scheduling it because I think this is really what gets lost a lot of times. (laughs) It seems so silly for us to write on the calendar, take a bubble bath or take a nap. But I think we're all so overscheduled that if we don't put it there on the schedule where everybody in the family can see it, <laughs> yeah, it gets pushed to the bottom. So, because mm-hmm. I know that I would feel guilty because moms feel that a lot where when we take time to do something for ourselves, there's always that thought of, well, I could be doing the dishes or I could be folding the laundry or I could be taking my kid to ice cream or all these other thoughts are going <laughs> to my mind. So how do we silence that or how do we get that to not be so loud in the background? Yeah, so that's actually a big part of scheduling it is so that, that way you know that it's non-negotiable. Like I, I have time set aside specifically for this. So then like the maybe the dishes are already done or maybe, you know, like you can do the dishes later on in the evening. And it kind of helps other people if they see that it's non-negotiable. It kind of helps other people from, you know, kind of like, hey, do you mind running this errand for me at this time? And then you can always point to your calendar and be like, oh, I already scheduled something for that time. So um, but the mom guilt is definitely something that blocks a lot of women from practicing mm-hmm. self-care. And I think the biggest part um, to kind of combat that is just recognizing that it's not, you're not doing it for selfish reasons. You're actually doing it because later on it helps you be more present and gives more quality to when you are with yes. that person or with your kids. Absolutely. So can we dive a little bit into your routine? So in a typical mm-hmm. week, what are some things that you're doing and you're scheduling on your calendar that are non-negotiable for yourself? 
So I actually, I'm an awful morning person. Like mornings are really rough for me. So, um, <laughs> but what I did was I actually started waking up earlier, which is super odd. But I found that um, like with my son, when I'm waking up later, then I'm rushing to get through my day. Yes. And then like, I just start off my day chaotic. So then I start scheduling, like I waking, I'm waking up a lot earlier so that I can have like a full 45 minutes to an hour just to myself. So then um, I'm lounging around the house. I take my shower and then um, I do some journaling and then I listen to music and then I do all of that without, you know, my son hanging onto my leg. And then usually he starts awake and then I start my regular morning routine. Yeah. And then um, in the afternoon, my son goes to bed at 8.15. Like, wow. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like you have to be in bed and then he goes to bed and then I journal again if I want to, or I do something uh, like I'll, I'll read or I might go read through a couple of blogs or something like that. But I do something for myself before I start working on some business too. So then those are the two things that are like, yeah. those are non-negotiable for me. Yeah. I love that. The morning routine I think is key because I find the mornings that I, like you said, if I'm rushing and the kids are up before me, it just feels like I can never catch up. So I know yeah. it's difficult to set that clock early and I'm guilty so guilty of pushing the snooze <laughs> button to say, no, no, a couple more minutes. And then before I know it, you know, a half an hour has elapsed and the kids are up and, you know, they're, they're making the breakfast and I'm feeling a little bad that I wasn't up before them. But yeah. I know we have to sort of just let that go and, and be able to say, okay, that's how it is today and let's just move on. Yeah. I want to talk about journaling. I know that there's so many studies that talk about the benefits of journaling and how that helps us. I can say, though, for myself, I've never been a journaler. I've been inspired to start them, but I've never mm -hmm. developed the habit of doing it. And I listened to you on another podcast, and you said you had journals back from when you were, like, in third grade or something, and you can go back yep. and read those. So talk a little bit about how journaling benefits us and how moms can maybe get that as part of their either their morning routine or their evening routine. Uh, so the journaling is just really like a catharsis for me. So I know a lot of people think of dear journal, like journaling as like dear diary today, my yeah. day went this way or something like that. But like for me, sometimes it's just writing down quotes or a poem or it's just like doodling. And I think something like that can really help um, be an outlet for your frustration. And then it's a place where you can be honest with yourself too. Yeah. So then like something that you might not say out loud or like, perhaps a feeling that you want to work through, you can write that down in your journal and you don't really, um, you can be honest with yourself about that and then you can find a way to work through that. So, um, you know, that helps with mom guilt too. Like some days, like it's, some days are really, really rough, but I'm not going to go up to my son and be like, hey, you know, you were, <laughs> you were terrible tooth today, but I can write that down and, you know, work through that. So. Okay. No, that's great. And I love, I love the reference to the Dear Diary because I think when I learned to journal in school, you know, it was a, an assignment and we actually had to do that Dear Diary, you know, this is how the day was. And I always mm -hmm. felt so silly documenting those things. But now as I look back, I wish that I would have because there are lessons that I could have learned by, by mm -hmm. having certain things happen in my day or not happen and how I related to a situation or how I could have done that differently. So I think that is such a brilliant thing to do. And, and I find that if I had the choice, I think I probably would hop onto a video versus having to write because by the time I'm done writing, 
I'll go back and I'm not able to even read the thing because it's just, yeah. I get so, you know, when I do write things like this, I get so crazy and, you know, there's pictures and doodles and there's just <laughs> a bunch of stuff that I, there's no way I could ever go back and read it. So, so perhaps video journaling would be the, the next, like, you know, confessions of sort of thing <laughs> to be able to record right. frustrations because then, um, for me anyway, that might be the next evolution of, of how I might be journaling. <laughs> yeah. So when you when you were talking about the journaling, you do it in the morning and then in the evening. Um, talk about how those things are different and like what you're you're really thinking about on those two different times during your day. Um, so in the morning, I tend to focus on like my goals and how I want my day to go, and kind of um, kind of make sure that I'm not bringing like any negative feelings into my new day. So then, like if yesterday was really rough, I want to make sure I'm not like. Um, still sulking in it or at least it helps me be mindful of the fact that it is still affecting me so that's really how the morning journaling goes and then in the evening it's just like a reflection or sometimes it's just like something inspired me during the day so I'm writing a poem or I'm writing a short story so um, evenings are a little bit more flexible as far as creativity and stuff like that that's where I really outlet that part of myself and do you think that it's beneficial for moms to to sit and journal with their kids, maybe make it a nighttime routine where they can talk about their day and then they can write. I'm just not, I, I've never experienced that myself, but I'm just wondering if that's something you ever recommend. Yeah. So that's actually how I got into journaling is because my mom, she journals. So I watched her often like sitting down in a living room and she's writing in her journal. And then I saw like her just piles of journals. So then that's how I started. Okay. And then um, it can also be a good way to communicate with your kids. So you can have your personal journal, their journal, and then you can have like a journal that you guys share mm-hmm. and then you guys can communicate back and forth that way. So like this is how I'm feeling and then you can write back to how, um, you know, whatever you want to respond to that. So I love this idea about the, the, the combined journal because my oldest okay. is now 13 and, you know, there's lots of just changes in her body and there's hormones and, you know, some days... I want to kind of walk to the other room because she's, you know, she's really feeling yeah. her emotions and is not sure how to express it. So it just comes across as she's being angry or she's trying to be rebellious. And I know that's not the case, but I love the thought about being able to leave her a note and then she mm-hmm. can write me a note back. And I, I just think there's something magical about that. So I definitely want to give that a shot because that might help resolve some of the issues we're facing as mother and daughter. And, you know, I own a performing arts school. And so now she also has me for a lot of her classes. So that (laughs) produces some other interesting emotions and feelings. And so, yeah, this is kind of brilliant. I I love this, um, this combined journal. So I think that's going to be my next thing on my to-do list. Yeah. It's a great way because then you're, um, you're able to be honest, too. you know, like some things like you look at your mom and you're like, oh, I don't know if I want to tell you that, but yeah. I might write it down. So, <laughs> yeah, no, that is so brilliant. It's almost like passing notes in the classroom where you can just sort of say, you know, you write a note to your crush. I have a crush on you. And you, you pass <laughs> it through three friends to get there. But this is kind of cool that it, it sort of has that feel where it's sort of secret, but, you know, you can still say a lot of stuff that, like you said, you would never say out loud. So. Awesome. I'm going to I'm going to write that down right now to um to get the journal because I just think that's brilliant. So, let's talk about your journey on how you got to really start talking about and coaching women about self-care. How did you get to the place where you decided 
yes, that's what I want to do, and this is who I want to help? Um, so it's actually a long process for me. It basically started like when I completely burned out and things started falling apart. When I started making self-care a priority mm-hmm. is when I absolutely had to. It's like, well, there's no other choice or I'm just going <laughs> to, you know, <laughs> I'm just going to fall apart. So um, I started making it a self-care journey for myself. And then when I started seeing the effects it was having, I started noticing that some of the um, – because I worked at a child care center. So I started noticing like some of the moms would come in and they had like that same kind of energy around themselves that I did, Mm. you know? And it was like, well, you know, like I've been through it, so maybe I can actually help other women. So then I kind of tested it out and it, you know, it turns out that it was helping. So I moved forward with the idea. All right. So I want to go back to, you talked about you discovered self-care in a time when you really needed it most. Without having to go into too many private details, what was it? Like, what was that moment in time or that event that said you decided, yeah, this is not working anymore. I have to make time for myself or, or nothing else is going to work. Um, it was like a lot of the things that I had been expecting, like weren't working out the way that I wanted it to. So then I was just falling apart constantly, mm-hmm. like constantly. So that was kind of when, um, you know, after like a couple of friends prompting me and then me just, you know, like, this isn't normal. Like, you know, these things, I shouldn't be quite so sensitive about these things. (laughs) That's when I was like, okay, maybe something's off. Maybe I'm not taking care of myself the way I need to. So then that really kind of um, prompted my exploration into self-care and taking care of myself a little bit better. And what great friends you have to sort of be brave enough to say, um, hello, there's something <laughs> happening and you need to fix yeah. it. I'm, I'm going to stop hanging out with you. I'm not sure what they said, but I, I can sort of in my mind's eye um, sort of see how that would go. But I know that in our society, we seem to be one in which that we don't always express our concerns to the people we care about. We just sort of think they already know. And we may have reservations about it, but we don't want to say it. If there are listeners today who, ha- who are either in this situation or who have friends who are in situations like this, what advice could you give them on how to help their friends or themselves overcome this or, or realize that this is happening in their lives? Um, I think the biggest part was that my friends were all... Like, they weren't quite judgmental about it. They were very subtle about it. So then they'd start by offering, like, hey, maybe I can take um, your son for mm-hmm. a little bit. Okay. And then, you know, they'd more or less, like, force me to give up my son. Okay. Or they'd um, they'd check in and they'd, they'd be really genuine about it. So then they wouldn't offer me advice or anything. They would just sit down and be like, hey, what's going on? And then they would sit there and they would wait. Okay. And it, so it was really... I think just lending your ear first and then being, you know, really caring about it can really help them um, want to open up. So um, at the time, they might not need advice at the moment or um, they might not necessarily be, you know, looking for words of wisdom. They might just need somebody to listen and then that can like open up some doors for, you know, some things that they might not have noticed. No, and that's brilliant too because as friends and as people going through these things, we don't want to have someone rushing around and, and shaking us by the shoulder saying, eh, what's wrong with you? We definitely yeah. need that friend who can just stand next to us and hold our hand and or cry with us or, like you said, offer to take your son just because they can see it. So, listeners, okay. if you have a friend in your life who you can see is just getting really frazzled and they're not quite themselves, 
Yeah, offer to grab their kids, offer to take them to coffee, get them away and just let them be in a different environment so yes. they might be able to start opening up about the situation going on. Mm-hmm. You mentioned earlier when you were working at the child care center that you would see women come in, see these moms come in, and they had this energy about them. Talk about this energy and what that was. So it was almost like um, I, a lot of women describe it as survival mode. Mm-hmm. So then, like, they'd walk in and, like, they like they wouldn't necessarily look frazzled, but you can, like, feel it. And, like, the way they move, the way that they dropped off their kids, the way that they said goodbye, it was almost, like, frazzled. And they were just, like, yeah. they just needed to, they needed to go and they needed to get to the next thing. And they weren't really, like, stopping to pause, you know? So there's, like, really a difference between um, that kind of energy so I started noticing it because I recognized it mm-hmm. um, in myself. So then I started to notice it around the other women because a lot of the times it can kind of be, you might just see it as just rushing, like maybe they're just late. But there's definitely like a subtle like like tone to it. Yeah. So. And it's so interesting too because it's just like when you go to buy a new car or you're looking for a car, all of a sudden you see it everywhere. And so I think mm-hmm. in this situation, the same thing. When, once you started noticing those feelings and, and that – anxiety I guess in yourself it became more apparent everywhere you looked so that's really quite interesting yeah and the fact that our kids pick up on that mm-hmm. is really something we should be mindful of because I know for me when parents bring their kids and maybe they're three to a very first dance class for instance you know there's some anxiety there but most of it is not coming from the child. Most of it is coming right. from mom because they've never been to an activity before. And, and how on earth are they going to survive 30 minutes of, of, of time without mom? Like, what's that going right. to feel like? So it's funny because we're, we're not only dealing with the emotions of our students. It's really the parents, too. And, and I find that being able to take a step back and, and, like you said, realizing what it is and then being able to say, okay, take, take a breath. You know, how can I help you? How can I make this better? And we actually put together a series of little videos saying, hey, we just got done with the first week. You might be feeling these things. And if you do, it's okay. <laughs> just because when you're doing anything new, there, it always tends to bring the anxiety. But really, again, you know, kids, I feel, don't often, it's not manifesting themselves, it's not manifesting in them as a natural occurrence. It's right. coming off of us directly which makes me so sad to think that when I'm grumpy, my kids are tending to be grumpy too. And, and then I get upset with them thinking, wait, why are you grumpy? And then I have to look at myself and say, no, no, no. Oh, I'm sorry. It was me. I'm really grumpy and I apologize. So let's start the conversation over again because, yeah, it's not a good place to be. Excellent. So I want you to talk about your group. I know you're on Facebook. You're very active there. Talk about the group you've created there and how our listeners can be part of it. Um, so the Facebook group is a closed group just for moms, and the name of it is My Name Is Not Mommy. And it's just a, a group for women to really connect, and I put a lot of resources inside of it to help develop your self-care routine or um, be more mindful of it. And um, that's where I post a lot of the free downloads and content and do my live videos and stuff. So um, it's really easy to join. You, ju- you just hit join like um, any other group and then we'd approve you. So. Okay. And how yeah. many women are currently in that group? Um, I believe it's 250 now going up. So Excellent. 
And that's such a great place to be too. I know that there's tons of pages on Facebook to be, but when it's public, it doesn't feel like anyone's listening or I, I, I tend personally not to want to share as much stuff when it's a public page and everyone can look at it. So the allure yeah. of being in a small group is definitely something that I prefer. So if moms are looking to be part of this group, they can go to Facebook and find you there. What are some of the other things you do to help moms on this journey of self-discovery and self-care? Uh, so I actually have uh, a blog called Make It to 18. So then there's a couple of posts on there about self-care. But the uh, main site, my name is not mommy.com, it has different workbooks that you can go through. So then those workbooks help you reconnect with like who you are, the kind of things that you need, um, like authentic self-care. So it's actually helping you what kind of things, you know, you can probably cross off of your list. And then there's a couple of e-courses on there okay. too that moms can take. So. All right, I want to talk about these e-courses. I know some, some moms, you know, like we spend a lot of time on technology just because our businesses sort of need this part to exist. For moms who are not so tech savvy, what, how is an online course going to benefit them? What does it look like and what is their, I guess, involvement level? Um, so the course is really just um, a way for them to think a little bit more deeper. So then as you're going through, like as you're developing a self-care routine, especially if you're new to it, um, there's a lot of questions that you, ne you won't necessarily ask yourself or there's a lot of things that you won't be honest mm -hmm. with yourself about. So the courses are really just there to kind of guide you to make sure that the self-care routine that you are developing is actually authentic to what you actually need. So um, it's it's a guide, um, and there's a lot of like journal prompts and a lot of worksheets and stuff to really get you thinking deeper about the subject. Okay, excellent. So talk about how self-care is going to make our listeners better mommies. Um, so the cliche analogy is you can't pour from an empty cup. Mm -hmm. So um, it's really important to practice self-care on a regular basis because in that way, what you project and what you output is that much better. So um, a lot of women feel guilty because they're like, I could, like you said earlier, I could be doing the dishes yeah. and stuff. But just like that one hour that you took to yourself, imagine like if you're happier and you're more refreshed than like the hour that you are playing with your kids, you're actually present and, yes. you know, you're not overly tired and you're not grumpy. So um, just taking care of yourself, make sure that um, the things that you give are that much more better, especially as a mom. Absolutely. And I think... Like you said, being present with your kids. I know my youngest is 10 right now, and she'll often say to me, well, Mom, we didn't really hang out because you were on the computer or you were on the phone, you were emailing. And I have to think, oh, that's true. I thought it was going to be like this five-minute thing, but she perceives it as this bigger event. So now I have to be really conscientious of, okay, the phone is in the other room. I have to disconnect from everything, and it's her and I. So even if we're okay. going to sit and watch a, a little show and cuddle up together – she wants to know I'm totally present with her. So our new rule is that if we're, if we're enjoying a, a show together, there's no other devices in the room with us because it's so easy to just pick something up and look at the email or scroll through Facebook and two hours pass. So that's, that's the rule in our house is that you get to do one technology thing at a time. It's either the phone or the computer or maybe if you want to play a game or you know, read a book. Those are the options, but only one can exist. The rest of them don't even get to come into the room anymore just because it's way too easy for us to, to fall back on that very bad habit. Uh, that's super awesome. I'll have to 
um, put that into my routine too. And I hadn't even thought about that. Like uh, using multiple things at the same time, that can be very distracting. Yes. And I I know I had a coach previously years ago, Dave Crenshaw, and his, his whole thing is the myth of multitasking. How we're never being able to really do more things at once. We're just switch tasking. So if our brain is at 100%, you know, full on power, if we're trying to do two things or three things, all of a sudden each one is only getting 5% of our time because we're thinking about the other thing. So when someone comes and talks to you and you're trying to respond to email, every time you look up and look down, you're losing that momentum in whatever it is that you're doing. So to focus on one task until it's finished and then go to the next task. And I, and I know as moms, you know, we always talk about ourselves as being great multitaskers. And, and now I cringe at this word because I know it doesn't exist. That's not a reality. We're just switching and we're never finishing one thing before we go to the next. And it's a daily, daily challenge for me as well where, you know, if I want to do this, I, I can do this. But really, I know that, okay, if I have real work to do, if I'm going to play with my kids, it has to be full on. Yeah, because okay. otherwise nobody really benefits and everyone feels a little bit icky at the end. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. So where can my listeners find you and reach out if they have any more questions? Um, so you can actually reach me at my name is not mommy.com. There is a contact page okay. or if Facebook more is your thing, um, I have a Facebook page. Um, my That one is my name is not mommy as well. So you can basically find me on all the social media channels perfect and I know you recently did a tele-summit where you invited lots of different experts from different fields into your group not the public page but into your group um talk to us about some of the guests you had there so if they come and join this group you know what they have in store for them yeah so it was actually a pretty awesome it was mom's epic start 2017 and it was a virtual group conference um just kind of giving moms different resources so that they start off their year, um, so that they started off right. So we had um, a couple of guest speakers. We had people speak on um, the starting a new business, so then making sure that you're pursuing your goals, um, work-life balance, making mm-hmm. sure that you're, um, you know, you're not spread out too far between different things. We had um, a mom speak about fitness and making sure that she stay in shape and reducing sugar. So we had a lot of amazing guest speakers, and then the videos are still on there. So that's definitely something I would check out. Yeah, and I know my friend Jen Zills actually was on there, and she did a yeah. great video all about kids eating vegetables. And I just love the yes. message she shares, and she's been on the, the podcast before as well, really trying to help parents understand you know, what food really looks like and what food we really need. So I thought it was really a brilliant setup of experts that you had on there. Yeah, and then she had, like, an amazing example, too, where she showed um, the amount of sugar and stuff. I was like, oh, yeah. oh my gosh. It was, it was shocking. I couldn't believe that, too, because some of those, I have to say, you know, were staples in our house. Like, oh, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> we got to rethink that one. And, uh, and if we can introduce those things when the kids are little versus trying to, you know, go backwards when they're a little older, it makes it a little bit more tricky for sure. Definitely. So before we go, what are like the top three or the top three recommendations you have for mom about implementing some sort of self-care routine into their lives? Um, so the first thing I would say is definitely make it a priority. So um, schedule it. Um, or, you know, like, let the whole family know, like, hey, this is mommy time. 
that you have to make it a priority or for moms, it often, it gets pushed aside and it gets forgotten. Um, the second thing is make it non-negotiable in your life. Mm. So, um, you know, like a lot of the times we'll put it off because we think there's something else that's a little bit more important, but your self-care is important. Yes. So that's something that has to be non-negotiable. And the third thing I would say is to make it a, um, a regular routine. So like, you don't want to like practice self-care, like, you know, oh, I'm going to do it this week. And then like three weeks later, you're like, oh, I guess I'll do something now. Yeah. Um, so because then you'll definitely burn out between that time period. So you want to make sure that it's something that you're doing on a regular basis so that you actually fully benefit from that kind of practice. Yeah. And number three, I think, is going to be the hardest for me personally, because it's sort of like, when it's a new year, everyone goes to join the gym and for two weeks or they're every day for like an hour and they're so mm-hmm. sore and they can barely do anything in their life. And then they just stop going because it yeah. gets to be really hard and they discover that oh, an hour is a really long time. So I totally <laughs> get that. So, so listeners, creating some sort of regular routine doesn't have to be every day. That would probably be your recommendation, I right. imagine. But at least once a week, set aside some time for yourself where you can go read a book or go sit in the sun or go to the pool or take yourself to coffee. Just something to, to break up the monotony of your routine to, and do something just for you. Don't feel guilty about it. Just do it. Absolutely. Awesome. awesome. Well, Lindis, I really want to thank you for your time and for your expertise and sharing with moms the importance of self-care and the fact that you know it really needs to become this regular habits so we can be the best mommies we can be and then really help our kids grow smarter and more confident through the arts so thank you so much thank you so much (laughs) thanks for tuning in to the raising smart kids 2.0 podcast to really accelerate your ability to unleash your child's superpowers and raise smarter kids through the arts we're creating loads of new resources ways to connect, and ways to celebrate your successes. You can join our free Facebook community by visiting theartsmartparent.com or just search up Raising Smart Kids 2.0 on Facebook. I look forward to seeing you inside our community.